to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the June issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Will the Proposed Cattle Implant Labeling Changes Impact Feedlot Performance? To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Jessica Sperber, who's a Nebraska Extension Feedlot Specialist. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Dr. Sperber, this is the first time we've had the privilege of having you on the Beef Watch podcast. So before we dive into today's topic, tell us a little more about yourself, your background, and your current role now with Nebraska Extension. Sure. So I grew up on a cow-calf operation and and grain farm in central Alberta. So I'm a Canadian. I did my undergrad up there, and then I came down south for... uh, graduate school. So I did my master's in beef carcass quality and meat science at West Texas A&M University. Really got a good appreciation of the packing industry and carcass quality outcomes during my master's there. Followed that up with a PhD in feedlot nutrition here at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln with Dr. Galen Erickson and Dr. Andrea Watson. So I had the good privilege of creating a full circle beef value chain for myself. Grew up cow-calf, master's in meats, PhD in feedlot nutrition. Following my graduation of my PhD, I actually moved back to Canada for about a year and worked as a technical consultant for a feed company. And then at that time, UNL created the new feedlot extension specialist role. So I came back down and joined faculty in November of 2022 here. So uh, I've really been um, submerged into the Nebraska lifestyle. I think the uh, quality and quantity of our feedlot cattle in Nebraska is exciting. Uh, We have a lot of producers that believe in a lot of technologies and you know, are really progressive minded and um, excited to utilize whatever they can to get the most pounds off of their cattle. So I've kind of created a program um, for myself that really focuses on that relationship between feedlot and packer, Um, lots to do with how the carcasses are coming out on the rail, um, and then technologies that we can utilize, such as implants, which we're going to talk about today, uh, on how we can utilize those technologies to improve the pounds of beef that we're putting on every carcass that's on the rail. Well, the article you wrote for the June issue of the Beef Watch newsletter really piggybacks off of an article that came out of the May issue focused on implant labeling changes that are going to occur. Just for our listeners, walk through with us what these implant labeling changes are. And then as we look ahead to beginning on July 1st, how this may change what happens with cattle in terms of implant strategies when they enter a feed yard. Absolutely. So yeah, Dr. DeConstanzo a few weeks ago put out a really good uh, podcast and and Beef Watch article on how the U.S. Food and Drug Administration um, has stated different phases of production and implants that are allowed to be utilized during those stages. So um, essentially, yeah, the FDA has stated that beginning on July 1, they'll implement regulations that surround growth promoting implant products that have to have a label that specifies approval for either re implantation or repeated administration. So right now there's just a handful of implants on the market that actually have a label that specifies approval for re-implantation. And so after July 1, we're going to have to to change up our protocols, our implant protocols, uh, based on what's on label and and what would be considered off-label. And so I would just encourage you to, if you don't know the different phases of production, I would just encourage you to go either listen or read through um, Alfredo's 
beef watch article on that he did a really really nice job of of outlining those different phases of production but essentially it's just uh only being able to utilize one implant um, or an or an improved on label implant strategy within each phase of production yeah walk through with us what does that look like in terms of application yeah, so I guess first and foremost, I'll say it's obviously important to select an implant strategy that's going to work for your operation. Everybody's different, but I would also advise to contact your consulting professional or implant manufacturing company representative uh, to get you on the right track for what you uh, might be implementing in the future. So I will say there are pretty much three over overarching options that producers can choose from when selecting an implant protocol for their feed yard. So we're going to talk uh, strictly about implant protocols for feed yards today that comply with the FDA guidance. So option one would be uh, to use a delayed administration of just one single implant. So taking an implant that's already on the marketplace for that feed yard production phase, and then just utilizing that one single implant. If your cattle are spending less than 120 days on feed, then you don't you can implant upon arrival. You're good to go. They'll have coverage up until harvest. If your cattle are spending greater than 120 days on feed during that feedlot phase, we recommend to adjust your implant administration date to target 100 to 120 days prior to harvest. So essentially, you would receive your cattle, they'd go on to their ration um, about 100 to 120 days prior to harvest, you'd pull them through the chute and then you would, then you would administer your single implant. And so option two would be to utilize a long acting or an extended release implant. And so these, these are different. Sometimes they're used interchangeably, but a long acting implant generally offers up to 200 to 220 days of coverage. And so that's just one single implant that's administered and, and it will last for that amount of days of coverage. And then the other option would be to use an extended release implant where either a portion of the pellets of the implant or all of the pellets are covered in a polymer coating. Um, and then that polymer coating breaks off a certain number of days into uh, the feeding period after administration of that implant. And then it extends performance for those cattle. And so then option three would be to utilize an FDA approved reimplant program. And so Alfredo also outlined these options in his article, but uh Essentially, right now, there's one pharmaceutical company, Zoetis, that has approved re-implant programs on label. And so you can go, go ahead and, and look those up if you're interested or, or already use a Zoetis company. But yeah, so those are essentially the three options that we have today, with which would be in compliance with the FDA-approved re-implant or implant labeling update. So just remind us again of what is the value of implants as we think about actual pounds of carcass on the rail? How does that implant benefit producers and then ultimately, I think, benefit beef production? Absolutely. So it obviously depends on what potency you're using of implants. So there's implants that are approved for all the different phases of production um, in beef cattle. You know, a suckling calf implant, we might see that uh, offer the animal on average 23 pounds of gain. You know, a moderate, less aggressive implant that we might use in a backgrounding phase might see anywhere from 20 pounds up to 50 pounds of gain. And then, you know, on the more potent, more aggressive implant side or implant strategy side, one, one that has a higher dosage of synthetic hormone in it, we might see those implants bring anywhere upwards of 80 pounds, 60 to 80 pounds. And then if you're doing a re-implant strategy, you know, just extended from there. And so there is a lot of pounds to be gained on the carcass 
based on implanting. And then also keeping in mind that those additional pounds of gain are true protein. So it is our meat on the carcass. They're not, you know, they're increasing protein accretion and in a lot of scenarios, decreasing lipid accretion. So putting on more, more lean meat muscle mass and, and reduced fat. So there is a massive return on investment in terms of utilizing implants and implanting technology. Anything else on this topic you'd like to highlight today? You know, the whole reason why I wrote this article was because there has been a lot of concern of, you know, is the sky falling type of mentality, like with this new FDA regulations, are we going to have to completely remove implants? What are we, what are we doing? And so I wrote this to reassure producers that number one, we can still utilize an implant throughout all those different phases of production. But in addition, the implant strategies, those three options that I outlined earlier in today's talk, that there's not a massive difference in pounds of hot carcass weight gain between those different implant strategies. So previous studies have reported a six pound hot carcass weight difference for steers when those steers were administered a re-implant program compared to a single extended release implant. So essentially you would be gaining six extra pounds by utilizing the re-implant strategy that that I mentioned earlier as option three, the FDA approved re-implant program versus a single extended release implant. And then for heifers, uh, previous studies have reported about a four pound hot carcass weight difference. So in advantage for that re-implant program compared to a single extended release. So we, you know, we do have implants on the market right now that offer us a good amount of, of gain, well, an impressive amount of gain, to be honest. And we don't have to worry about losing all that gain. On average, we might lose four to six pounds you know, and, and more of an, more of an impact on steer performance than on heifer performance. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. And as always, if anybody has any questions, uh, I can be reached uh, via email at jsperber2 at unl.edu. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. The title of the article we discussed today Will the proposed cattle implant labeling changes impact feedlot performance?